Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Leaning into Leadership podcast. It's February. Can you believe it? I don't know what it's like where you are, but man, here in Omaha, it has been brutally cold. And so as I'm recording this intro right now, it's almost 50 degrees here, and I'm loving every second of it. Like as soon as the sun comes out and it starts to get a little warmer, I just get so fired up. I actually wrote just the other day in the blog about just being stuck and kind of that whole January doldrums. And so all it took was a couple of days into February and finally we're getting some decent weather in spite of what most of those groundhogs said around the country. So keep that warm weather coming. I'm fired up for that. And I'll tell you what else I'm fired up for. And that is episode 57 of my guest Mr. Hal Bowman. I'll tell you, Hal is one of the most genuine, fired up, and authentic people that I have ever met. He really believes so strongly in our schools here in the country that he's rolling up his sleeves and he is in schools almost every single day. He is there to lift the spirits of our educators, to remind teachers that what they do truly makes a difference in the life of kids. He's the guy who's providing and designing programs and roadmaps, all kinds of materials designed to help our educators remember that every school can be a phenomenal school and that they can be the one who makes a difference in the life of kids. Folks, this interview is absolutely off the hook. If you saw the uh, title of the show, (laughs) The Grass Fire Analogy, At about the 22-minute mark, Hal's going to talk about the grass fire analogy. And I'm not going to tell you much more than that, but it's one of the best analogies I have ever heard. So make sure you check that out. He's going to share some book recommendations. He's going to talk about his work leading the Men in Education group and why he has rejuvenated and brought it back and why it makes a difference and why it can make a huge difference going forward in education. So check all of that out. This is a fantastic conversation. I'm so grateful to Hal for coming on the show. You're going to hear it all right after these messages. Hey, leaders, let me tell you a story. It's the story of my first year as a high school principal. I will tell you, I was exhausted, I was overwhelmed, and I lived my life breathing through a snorkel because my head was so far underwater. And I didn't think there was a way out. I mean, I was a mess. The 40 feet that it was to move from my assistant principal office down to the principal's office might as well have been a 400-mile trek. I was just absolutely putting in crazy hours. I was trying to do it all. Like, trying to answer everybody's question. Thinking I always had to be the smartest one in the room. And I had to solve everybody's problems. We're talking severe Superman syndrome here, folks. Every day was fire after fire, and all I accomplished was putting out fires. Forget about leading. I was simply trying to survive. Now, after working with a leadership coach, I really was able to get things figured out, get my head from being a firefighter to actually being a leader. But it took work, and I discovered some things that really mattered. And that's why I've created Walk in Your Purpose, Five Mindsets to Level Up Your Leadership, a free ebook that you can have today at no cost. Just go to walkinyourpurpose.roadtoawesome.net backslash ebook to download your free copy. Again, that's walkinyourpurpose.roadtoawesome.net backslash ebook. It's time for you to walk in your purpose, to find joy in your job, and to be the leader you always knew that you could be. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and a podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. 
Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome Hal Bowman into the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. My friend, it is so good to see you. It's so good to catch up. I'm really looking forward to this conversation, man. Me too, brother. Here's the crazy part is, um, you know, we've both been on the road so much and, you know, you're doing your conferences, your campuses, I'm in campuses and, um, you know, rarely do we ever get a chance to chat. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was pretty cool. You know, the other night I'm, uh, I'm sitting here at my desk working and see this thing pop up on my phone and it says, Hal Bowman is live in men in education. And I'm like, Hal Bowman, that dude's still alive, man. I haven't heard from you in forever. So I jumped in and I started listening to you and you're on the road. I think you were like in Oklahoma or something on was, the road yeah. and you're talking about the men in education group. And we're going to get to that in a few minutes, but, uh, that, that was kind of a, kind of a highlight of my day. And I'm like, man, I got to get you on the podcast. Let's, <laughs> I mean, if we're going to have a conversation, we might as well, you know, record it, let other people listen to us. So well, here's um, the thing, just man, let really me tell you could, real quick about ahead. that. It's yeah. uh, it was kind of interesting is I, um, I received a message and where have you been? You haven't been on social media for like a year and a half. And, you know, I was a teacher and I just, you know, I said, ah, you know, maybe I'm old and crotchety and I just get angry as I try to, I try not to look at it all that much. And she returned with the most foul, <laughs> the most profane written. <laughs> we need you more than ever right now. I can't believe you. <laughs> You're so selfish. And I said, okay, that's it. I'll get back on. Fine. Wow. And so that was actually my first post in, I don't even know, man. I really want to say it was about a year and a half. Man, that's just crazy. It really is. And kudos to her. I mean, whoever she was for, uh, <laughs> not, not, not necessarily kudos for throwing the, you know, the profane tirade at you, but it if worked. that's what it took to get you back, man. Yeah, right. exactly. We're, man, yeah, we're all about nice. results and sometimes that's what it takes. That's right. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you just got to do what it takes. So just real quick, man, and then we're going to dive in and just have some fun with the conversation. Just let my listeners know a little bit about who Hal Bowman is. Yeah, brother. I have been um, in the education game since, you know, before college, really. When you think back about it, I was a, I was a band guy and, um, and I was a drummer. And so I was, you know, clinicking and teaching drum lines all over the Houston area in Texas. I went to college to study education, wanted to be that, do that band director thing. And then, and even all through college, I was teaching every day. I was in somebody's band hall doing private lessons or doing sectionals or small ensembles. And then at the end of college, went and did the band director thing like I wanted to. And then, you know, I, I moved my way up really fast because I happened, you know, kind of I was good at it just because I was passionate about it. And then, um, I, you know, one day I was standing on in the band hall and I started realizing, you know, in this unbelievable state awarded program, Every year, we seem to have about 45 seniors, about, you know, 70 juniors, maybe 95 sophomores, 100 and whatever freshmen every year. And I realized, man, we're just burning these kids out. And it's not really about the music. It was really about the competition. And then I started looking at the demographics of our kids. And, you know, we just have kids that can afford private lessons and afford to buy an alto tenor saxophone or whatever it is, you know. And and so then I decided, well, let me I want to teach some regular kids. So I went and got certified in other subject areas and language arts and English and biology and sciences and moved into the classroom and started teaching in K through 12 at some point. And then I ended up doing some mentoring programs and some leadership stuff for kids. And one of the classes I had was um, a class that we, uh, it was called teen leadership, but it wasn't the traditional teen leadership back in the day. It was, we affectionately called it um, halfway house. Cause what it was, was all the kids that got sent to alternative school and they earned their points and come back to their campus. They given to me. And so it was so always like 30. The, you were like the reentry program, right? Yeah, man. We're trying to shut down a recidivism rate. And in fact, we called it yeah. Bowman's Dirty 30 because we always had 30 kids. <laughs> we had shirts made for the kids, the Dirty 30. And it was great, man. And uh, we crushed it. And it was awesome. And I had an administrator. She was just a super fan of the class and what the kids were doing. And um, she became a principal at another school. And she brought me in. She said, will you tell my teachers what you do and how you do it? And I said, sure. And I went over there. And that's, that was kind of the birth of this whole working with teacher things. And I did some instructional coaching in the district after that. 
And then I just went on the road and brother, I've been on the road, I guess for the last, I don't even know, man, 13 years at this point. And, um, and it, it's been a wild ride. And, um, and I'll tell you what today out on the road, man, as you know, it is, um, it's, it's just a lot of teachers that are, um, you know, here's the thing, man. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen more heroic work than I see right now in schools. You know, it's, it's more difficult than ever to teach. And the stuff that our teachers are doing has just been phenomenal. Oh, I don't disagree with that a bit right now, man. You know what, what they're doing. I had a great conversation with a superintendent yesterday, uh, superintendent in New York. And she was telling me about how she's, well, she's actually right now she's sitting down and doing um, interviews with every single teacher in her district. And she's got a smaller district, but nonetheless, she's sitting down with every single one of her teachers and just having conversations with them about, you know, what's got you stressed out? What's wearing you out? You know, how are you, how are you doing? I mean, she's not like asking them, you know, what can I do to help improve your instructional, you know, tool belt? It's not that. It's just, how are you doing? How are you surviving? And she told me a story about, one of she said he's he's arguably one of my best teachers she said but he was just in my office and he said this job is killing me yeah. and it, you know and it wasn't just you know that phrase oh god this is killing me he has gained a hundred pounds in the last two and a half years he's pre-diabetic his his stress levels are off the charts she said he's still an incredible teacher in the classroom but but that that stress on his body that he's going through right now. I mean, this just this one particular story. And this is this is a school that that I'm gonna I'm gonna be going and seeing this summer. But but now I already know coming in, and this is just one person. I'm sure you've you've heard you know a lot of stories like that too. Yeah. We got a lot of people who are struggling right now and really I mean, you're right, they're doing heroic work. But sometimes it's like, man, at what cost to, to them physically, to them. right? And it's not just them. It's to their families and the future of their, their own personal children. Because, um, you know, the, when, they, when these amazing, I mean, selfless, heroic teachers show up for their classroom, you know, and they stand there before their classroom family, they've accepted this honor and this privilege and this awesome responsibility, you know, oftentimes that is when they're at their peak, they're at their freshest. They just woke up. They just got caffeinated. They just slept. And then when they, when it's done, you know, in 3.30 and 4.30, 5.30, they finally get home to their own families and their kids. Well, the, their classroom family got the best of them. Their family in their home got the rest of them. Yeah. And, and, and you know, and for those with the kids, here comes the second half of the day starting at 530. We got, you know, you know, swim team and stupid soccer. Oh, my God. And piano lessons and all, <laughs> and all the rest of oh, it. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. then by the time and yeah. then we sit on the couch at 1130, you know, watching HGTV. And we got this stack of papers, yeah. this fire hazard that we brought home in front of us that we now we're yeah. back still with those kids back at the classroom instead of being present with our spouse and our families in our house. And it really is a, it just an extremely difficult lifestyle. It really is. I mean, you know, I think a lot of people, no, I don't think, I know a lot of people have no idea no. what it really takes to be a teacher, you know, and, and I don't care if that's, you know, if you're an AP English teacher or you're a band director or you're teaching kindergarten or anything in between the amount of work and the amount of dedication that people are putting into what they do every single day. And then yeah. now add to everything you just said now in a lot of ways, because there's work shortages everywhere, our, our teachers are being asked basically to be social workers too. I mean, you know, to to support kids through, yeah. you know, all of these challenges that have occurred over the last, I don't know, two or three years. It's it's been just mind boggling to me, you know, yeah. and, I mean, how I was in schools for 26 years. I mean, it's not like I haven't seen it all, but you start. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing things now that I'm like, holy cow, Right. <laughs> that I don't think I ever saw that before. No, we haven't. And here's, and here's there's so much to that, man. There's just so much to that that we haven't even considered. And this is, you know, we have that fractured foundation, both academically and emotionally for kids are just years behind. 
And the right. challenge is now we have just these unbelievable expectations put on our teachers and the rigor is getting more difficult every year. There's more, there's more content we're supposed to shove into the noggin of these children. In my view, it's, it's, it's intellectually abusive what some of the states are requiring teachers to try to stuff in a kid's head and he's a children man and you're right yeah. it, and, and this is the challenge with leadership and i know that you you talk about it with your clients across the nation and that is honestly the vast majority of leaders right now have never seen anything like this and they're struggling to come up with right. ways to effectively support those people on the front lines that we're asking to love our kids relentlessly during this most difficult time ever yeah yeah well for sure and you know i i remember you know, when, when the event that shall, shall not be named out loud anymore just started, you know, in, in March of 2020, I remember, I mean, at the time I was a superintendent and I remember telling my principals in a meeting, he said, you know, forever, forever principals, if they ever were a classroom teacher have been able to say when, when a teacher would say, oh, you don't get it. You don't get what it's like to be in a classroom right now. We could always say, oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I was a classroom teacher for 11 years. I taught middle school. I taught high school. Yep, I get it. And superintendents could always tell principals if they say, man, you don't get what it's like to be a principal. Yeah, yeah, I do. But as soon as that event happened, all of that went out the door. I cannot, cannot say that I know what it's like to be a teacher in or post-pandemic. I don't have that schema, Hal. I yeah. don't have that schema for principal either. All I have it for is as a superintendent because that's what I lived in that moment. And it has changed so much, uh, you know, in terms of just how you do what you do, the role of the principal, the role of the teacher, the role of fill in the plank. Yeah. It has changed. And I think a lot of people just aren't comfortable with that or they, you know, I don't know about you, but there was a point in time I just got sick and tired of hearing, you know, either A, when we go back to normal or B, oh, this is the new normal. I don't give a crap about either of those, but it's like there are a lot of things have changed. And I think a lot of us are struggling to, to be comfortable with that. And then here are our teachers. They're holding the bag, right? They've got to do the work. Yeah. You know, I think here's, I think there's, this is one of the, for me, this is the biggest challenge of all is yes, there is no playbook for this. No one did any of this in their education courses and any of the degrees that they've earned. They didn't cover this in their student teaching. They didn't have a mentor teacher that knew what to do that we have during this time. But here's the biggest challenge of it all is that it, 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 it is beyond exhaustion. It is beyond um, it, here, here's what it is. Teachers were burned out years ago. They were burned out 10 years ago. Yeah. But what has happened yeah. is because what's happened over the last few years is, is we've get teachers' hopes built up. But we're, we're coming back, no mask. And then we, and then we get <laughs> right. we're coming back, but mask, but not so much. And then we, and then we get and we and what happens is that we build their hopes up over time. And, and you know what they, they cannot do? They can't get their hopes up as much as they got them up before. And they've been crushed and they get them up a little bit more and they get crushed. And we bring them up and we're, they get hopeful again, they get crushed. But now it's, they've been crushed so many times. There's this feeling of hopelessness among our ranks in schools. And that is something it's, you know, you can, you can, you can, re, you can recover from being burned out. You can recover from being exhausted. Take, get, take a few days off, call in sick on Thursday and Friday. Good. Take care of yourself. But this sense of hopelessness, this is what really concerns me. And then we pile on really needy kids, both academically, intellectually, emotionally. We, 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 we disappointment from parents, demands from the community, demands from the leadership it, it is a really a trying time for teachers. It really is. So, so what are some things right now? So you're out exactly. there on the road. Exactly. You know, after, after you, we know, build, after you, you broke know. them down, after we, I know, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. What, a, what an exciting first 14 minutes of this episode. Hey, how about that folks? Right. Hey, I promise it's going to turn in the other direction now. Sure, so, uh, sure. so no, yeah, absolutely. So, so when, when you're out on the road right now, what, what, what is some of the message that you're bringing to, to teachers that's obviously getting them fired up, getting them, you yeah. know, building up a little bit of hope. I mean, getting somebody to send you a message saying, you know, 
get your ass back on social media, Hal. We need yeah. you. What What are you saying to them to help kind of bring them along? Yeah, yeah I'll tell you what, man. Since this is um, leaning into leadership, uh, this is what I've been working on with superintendents and principals and and even all the way down to department chairs. And the, the, the leadership meetings I've been doing in districts, I've been asking – We've done leadership meetings. I, yes, I want central office administrators there. Yes, I want campus leaders there. And give me the, who's whoever's leading the counseling staff, whoever's leading custodial crew. Give me the team leaders. Because what I really, first of all, we have to adopt this whole idea that during this time, more it's always should have been this way, but now more than ever, yet we all have different job titles, but we all share the same role. And that is making a difference in the lives of kids. And in a leadership position, it's making a difference in the lives of teachers. And I want every person in every leadership position to know that their responsibility really is to make a difference in the lives of their people, that they're, that they're there to champion, that they're there to serve. And so for me, the biggest message and the, the most effective thing is helping leaders understand that right now, more than ever, our teachers need to see um, objective tangible, vivid, graphic evidence that their work matters and that their work is making a difference. They have to see it. That's the fuel. Like we listen, we all have seen the teacher memes. It's not about income. I get paid by the impact and all that stuff. And and all that is great. And it's all true. However, now this, in this day and age of teaching, they have to see that evidence because like we forget how numb teachers are to the magic that be, because they do it every day and they get numb to it. And yep. it, this isn't a bad thing. This is, this is an amazing, when you change that many lives, you get numb to it. That's an awesome thing, but we have to get back to seeing the evidence. And here's the, here's an example I always use. And years ago, there was this, um, there was a picture that went around on one of the social media, I guess it's Facebook. And it was a picture of a, a, a teacher on his knees with elementary kid in front of him and the kid is crying and this gentleman, you know, has, you know, the hand on the back of the kid's heads and looking to him right in the eye and has a hand on the shoulder, just letting you. So it was just this image at this kid, even though in this traumatic moment of this kid's life, who knows what happened, you know, he hurt his toe or something, but letting that kid know he's safe and he's heard and he's affirmed. It was beautiful. And it had millions of shares. And it was awesome. And then next to that picture was the one that was famous a while back where there was an AP who went into the parking lot and a kid with autism was just overly stimulated. And, and they're, they're laying on this gravel parking lot, you know, consoling this kid. The, the AP's laying next to the kid, talking to him. Beautiful picture. But the old man, the crotchety old man inside of me gets so angry because I'm thinking, man, that stuff happens every day on every campus multiple times a day that there's thousands of examples of that every day. Like that's just what teachers do. And when you think about the kid in the hallway crying, I know there's, if it was me and I'm, and I got 30 seconds, go down to the office, grab my copies and my mail and get my coffee and run back to the room. I would have walked past that and not even blinked. Oh, cute. Whatever. And because I see it all day long. I think this is the time we have to make teachers stop and to, and, and, and help them understand that, Look, man, the kid made a 91 on their spelling test. They've never made a 91 before. This is a life-defining moment for the kid to help us remember what we're really doing. And I'm not talking about, you know, as a district leader, maybe you've seen evidence of that. You know, one thing we get caught up in is, you know, oh, you know, well, Sheila is going to state track and field championships for the mile. Well, who cares? Except for Sheila's mom, that's it. I want a kid that I want to see a teacher and a kid with finger paint all over them, you know, and, and celebrating the art the kid made. Cause that, that applies to everybody. And I think those, Absolutely. that kind of evidence that we need to help our teachers see on a daily basis is absolutely critical. Man, that is, that's absolutely spot on. I love that. And that's in a way, I mean, it, I think that's the message that we're that we're all trying to carry to people is the bottom line is educators matter. And 
I love how you said it, that they need to be able to see that tangible, measurable, you know, look, here's the evidence that you're you're making a difference. Because you and I both know so much of the impact that we make as teachers that our teachers are making right now is kind of like that bamboo effect, right? I mean, it's going to be five years at least before there's any evidence that something right. actually happened. So that's a great challenge, I think, for leaders right now is how do you identify something that you can share with your staff each and every day or with your community each and every week to tell the story, to demonstrate, and to document that you're truly making a difference in the life of kids. Both of, both of those images that you, that you just shared, they both came right into my head. I know exactly which ones you're talking about. And, yeah. and you're right, Al. I mean, that, that stuff happens in schools every single day. Somewhere in, somewhere in the country today, stories like that took place. We will return to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast in just a moment. But first, let me ask you a question. Have you ever said to yourself, man, I should write a book? Well, if you have, then let me ask you another question. What's holding you back? What keeps you from taking the step that moves you from, I have an idea about a book, to, I am a published author? From experience, I would bet it's probably you're wondering who would even want to read a book that I wrote. Maybe you're questioning the idea. Is it unique enough? Is it valid enough? Is it good enough to be a book worthy of having published? Hey, as a best-selling author myself, I can tell you most writers have had the exact same feelings at some point in time during their writing journey. Here at Road to Awesome, we believe in cultivating leaders by elevating voices and promoting positivity. And a part of that work is publishing books for educators by educators. Go to roadtoawesome.net and hit the Contact Us button to set up a free, no-obligation conversation about your book idea. Hey, educators, we've all had incredible experiences. We all have amazing stories, and every one of them deserves to be told. Go to roadtoawesome.net, hit the Contact Us button. Let's have that conversation about your book idea. And now, back to the Leaning into Leadership podcast. What are some ways that that leaders can make sure that that our, our teachers are hearing those stories? And, and I'll be honest with you, I think just as important as telling them is telling our community. Because right now, I mean, you know, real polarizing time in our country, a, a real difficult time in education. It's There's a lot of divisiveness happening and, and attacks on education and honestly some divisiveness within education. I, I've been to a handful of campuses this year that – there's, there's a little bit of division happening, you know, this group and that group and, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. And, I, and I'm probably a little naive because it's probably every campus I've been on. But but there were a few that the leaders were like, holy cow, we got this right now. So what what are some things – I think my original question here was, you know, what are some things you're telling leaders? Here's how you got to get out there and get that happening. Well, first of all, let me just talk about the, um, the everybody knows about it, even though it's such this is like a weapon and that is social media. And it's, it's, it's going to be a weapon for good or a weapon for bad. And what I I spend time, you know, I do a whole program and this is helping school d- district and campus leaders tell their story. I'm talking about the authentic honest to goodness, absolute truth about their stories. And on, you know, let's use Facebook as an example. And like, here's what's going to happen. So, and I have, I have, you know, I, there's, I have multiple experience, experiences of turning this thing around where something happened on Facebook, some angry parent got, you know, typed something, yeah. my kid's being bullied or whatever. And then all of a sudden here comes a group, parents against so-and-so school bullying. And then there's a thousand members all of a sudden. No, I was bull- I was bullied in 1973. I can't believe they're still bullying in 2023. <laughs> oh my God, what? Yeah. And so- but here's the way I look at it is you have to look at it like this. If they don't know what's going on in your school, you it's I, I always it, you know, for me the metaphor is a grass fire. And that is just just raw, dry kindling out there. And if one spark is gonna light that field on fire, or you can flood that field with the truth. 
the truth about what's happening in your school. And I mean, I am talking in an absolute, people think I, I'm talking about exaggerate. I'm not talking about exact. Like we have to get really good at, at the, there's these mountaintop magical moments. These euphoric moments are happening for kids in classrooms every day, but we have to look for them. And once you get your mind set to see them, they're everywhere. And to get our teachers to talk about that. And, and, and it, does, it, it does a few things, but here's my favorite thing it does. Just like we set expectations for a kid, a kid will rise to meet those expectations. Well, when, when we are telling the true story about this, this, this awesome stuff that's happening in our classrooms, in our school campus-wide, what it does, it sets the expectation for us in the community, and the school is going to rise even higher to meet the expectations that are rising each every time. So it's this cyclical effect that is not just building culture from the outside in, but also building culture from the inside out. Well, it has everything to do. You're you're a hundred percent spot on right there. I love I love everything you just said. It's all about number one. What are you looking for? You know, if you're looking for the bad things, you'll find them. If you're looking for the good things, you'll find them. It's all about having the right mindset for that. And then and then two, you know, it's it's about how you talk about it. I have a good friend who at this at this point now in his career, he's a uh, he's a district level leader, but he used to be a high school principal in Virginia. And he just started referring to a school as the world's greatest high school, period. I mean, that was it. You know, yeah. hey, welcome. Welcome to, you know. Uh, welcome to our high school. It's the world's greatest, world's greatest high school. And for a while, you know, people would be like, why are you saying that? And he's like, you know, because we're the world's greatest high school. They're like, well, <laughs> how can you prove that? And he said, how can you prove that I'm not? We are the world's greatest high school. You know, North Stafford High School, world's greatest high school. Well, before you knew it, people just started that's just what they call it. They didn't even call it North Stafford anymore. Hey, it's the, he's over there at the world's greatest, you know. Or, hey, I'm right. going to go run over to the world's greatest. All of a sudden, the whole community just started saying, hey, it's the world's greatest high school because he just manifested that, you know. I mean, is there some metric or some competition or a trophy that says he has the world's greatest high school? No, but it had everything to do with just how he approached it. Yeah, man. Perception so is reality. 100%. 100%. I love your grass fire analogy. That, like – you know, there's there's so many different ways to think about that. I mean, I, you know, you talk about the one parent who goes, I, you know, to me that's the keyboard warrior and that kind of thing. But, but the grass fire, you're right. It just takes that one little spark. But I think yeah. isn't the same thing true for building that positive energy and that positive culture in a school? I mean, the grass fire could be the negative, but it could also be the positive, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and, and to come back to that, you know, where um, providing the evidence for teachers is a couple of things. I want to, that, that, and, you know, another great example of that is there's this program I take on the campus this is what I've been busy with the whole semester is it's called Culture Shock. And it's all about revolutionizing campus culture in a single day. And it's an amazing thing. I work with uh, campus leaders. I work with the kids. I work with student leaders. Anyway, the whole day culminates where we put all the teachers, faculty into the auditorium with the student leaders I worked with. And what happens during that session is two things. One, teachers talk about why they teach, the real reason. And it'll be the first time kids have ever heard their math teacher not say a word about math. It'll be the first time their English teacher didn't say anything about reading or literature. But what, I, but what also happens in that session is kids will stand up they will call out a teacher directly, personally, and talk about the difference that's happening in their life at that moment because of the work that teachers are doing in the classroom. Now, listen, man, we, we, like, we've all had that experience where you, know, you see some kid in the Walmart and like, ah, Mr. Pepper, hey, and it's like 20 years later, yeah. you know, oh, dude, your yeah. class was, oh, thanks, man, which is awesome. But I'm telling you, it's a whole nother level when a kid in real time talks about what's happening right now in their life. And what it enables me to do as I, feel, as I facilitate these conversations is I'm able to honestly, with complete integrity, look at that teacher in the eye and say, hey, listen, I know you're exhausted. I know some days you sit in your car wondering if, any, if the day even mattered before you leave the parking lot. You've lost the right to do that. That kid just told you it's working. That's just one kid. And what I always suggest to campus leaders, especially in every, every time you get your teachers together in the after school meeting on Wednesdays in the, in the, in the library, there ought to be a few kids 
in there talking about the differences being made in life by by teachers. Like that should be a warm up in the in their English class. You know, first seven minutes of class write a letter to a teacher and pick a couple and have the kid come read it and talk about it in front of the faculty and kids will do it. Like once one kid goes, they okay. get addicted that they all want to go, man. And, oh, absolutely. and let, me, let me give you one other thing that I have found in the schools that are thriving. And listen, these, these principles aren't, they're a little bit leery to talk about it because it's so good right now. And they, they don't want to feel, <laughs> feel like they're bragging. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. You know, like when people when, t- when people talk about the teacher sh- te- you know teacher shortage, I'm thinking you know because I know the I work with these campuses, and I'm thinking that it's not a shortage everywhere because people are lined up to teach at these campuses. But the one if there's a couple of things that I always come back to that they all share, and and one we talked about, you know that we all have different job titles, but we share the same role, change a kid's life. But the other one that they're so good at is. Those campuses that are thriving right now, across the board, man, they have absolute clarity in what they want to accomplish together as a school family. Like you can ask any teacher, the custodian, school secretary, who, but by the way, and they're all teachers, like the school secretary, the school secretary knows the same four girls come to her every lunch every day because she's their teacher and this is her classroom. And they have such clarity campus-wide in what they're doing together as a school family. And, and I always tell people, like, that's the secret ingredient to motivation, to inspiration, to feeling fueled for the day. If you think back to anything where you felt completely inspired and motivated by, like you're staying up late, waking up early, you know, and you, you're sleeping only five or six hours, but you felt amazing anyway. What it was, you had absolutely clarity on what you're going to do next to accomplish that goal. You knew what you wanted to accomplish, how you're going to accomplish it, why you wanted to accomplish it, and what exactly you're going to do. And it's those campuses where everybody is on board and they have absolute clarity for all those questions that are thriving right now. And I love that so much. Uh, to me, I mean, you're, you're taking words right like out of my head and, and saying, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. To me, the very best leaders are the ones who have incredible clarity and they're intentional about that. And not just them, but they get everybody else right there. That is so, so powerful. Let's let, let's shift gears just a little bit, Hal. Yeah. Um, we, we opened up with, uh, or I opened up rather, with saying that, you know, you popped up on my phone. You were live in the Men in Education group. And I know that, I mean, you, you're the creator of this group. You're wanting to to get this group going again. Talk a little bit about about the men in education group. Kind of where did that come from? Sure. Where do you see it going? I mean, let's 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 kind of yeah. That a little so bit. let me tell you where it came from is um, it, it, just me looking around and seeing the shortage of men in education, and also thinking about you know I, I'm just seeing that by the shortage, what I'm talking about are um, less and less men coming into the profession, and this is three or four years ago, and more men than women leaving the profession at faster rates, and so it became very disconcerting to me. And then I talked to folks, you know, I can remember being in the elementary or, or even in a high school where I walk into my team meeting after school and I was the only guy and they've are, they're already there. And as soon as I walk in, it gets real quiet because they're having personal conversations that aren't appropriate to have in front of some dude, you know what I mean? And so, and well, on my team, I was the only guy and there's other men in the school, but there might be one in the biology team and one on the English team. And the coaches are together, but they have their own crew down in the coach's office and down yeah. on the, on the field, you know, and the band directors were over there. So it seemed to me that men were lacking real close relationships in in schools. And then, you know, I talked to some of the guys in our group or principals, and they said, man, the only dude on my elementary campus is the custodian. He's the only guy I get to talk to, like man to man. And so I really wanted to have uh, something for those men where we can um, just celebrate what we do and those men that relish in the opportunity to serve as a father figure in the lives of kids. And it was great, dude. Our, we had, it was a blast. I mean, <laughs> we had so much fun in that group. It was all through COVID. And then what happened was 
it was the end of COVID and we got back to school and reality hit and we, you know, it was just so it, the thing just kind of fizzled off. The, we still have close to 800 guys in that group and, you know, not much going on. So I decided to kick it off. And if I can, um, I know, I know you don't have all day, but if, if I can tell you why I kicked it off, it's, that's important to me. And, yeah. and that is being on campuses um, I, uh, right now more than ever, I've just noticed, uh, the behavior of children just, I mean, I mean, unlike anything I've ever seen, brother, not just, um, in elementary, but junior high, middle school. And then it's the vast majority of this behavior issues of boys. So I started looking at that and I started really paying attention. Well, how are boys doing in school right now? And then I, you know, I kind of, you know, started reading some books on it. You know, Scott Galloway's Adrift in America book, Richard Reeves of Boys and Men, his book, William Farrell's The Boy Crisis book. And I started thinking, and then, and then just anecdotally what I'm seeing and then the science and the data behind it, I started really paying attention. And I, I, I started looking at the history of uh, Title IX. And, and in 1972, Title IX is when that came about. And girls were 13 points behind boys academically in terms of performance. And what happened with that in 10 years, it was, I, I think it might've been the most uh, impressive social solution we've ever seen within 10 years. It was even, you know, girls caught up boys and it was amazing. The programs we put in place were, were for young ladies was awesome. K through 12 and they're going to college. And, and then, but no one was paying attention because the girls step because we have so much success with girls that no one was paying attention to the boys who are failing. In the year 2000, um, there was a book uh, called the war on the war on boys. And, um, it, 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 that lady, that poor lady was just about canceled from the universe because <laughs> she talked about how we need to support boys at this point. And here we are today. And the, I think the, 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 the most um, uh, effective impetus for me to, to kick the groove back off and to throw some fuel in the fire was I went to my daughter's graduation and I was counting kids coming across the stage to get their diploma. And the first group of 100 came across and um, I, I don't have the numbers. It was, I know the first, it was 28 boys and the rest were girls. Then the next group of 100 were 17 boys and the rest were girls. And I'm thinking, what is this? Is this nationwide? And what we have here now is um, in her school, it's about 65% are girls, 35% of boys. Nationwide by 2025, it'll be two to one. We'll have two girls for every one boy in our universities. And this presents a lot of socioeconomic issues that are down the line. And, you know, for example, right now, right, right around 25% of boys between the ages of 20 and 29 aren't active in a seeking a profession of any kind. They're still a dependent, living with someone, playing video games, just kind of adrift and without a goal, without a purpose, without a direction. And so I really thought, you know, what is being done? And I looked around and nothing is being done. Very few people are talking about it and nothing. In fact, right now, if you're looking at gender specific programs for academic success and scholarship to this day, 92% of gender specific scholarship are still for girls. Well, girls, are, it's a two to one in, in colleges. Like they're crushing it. They're doing amazing things. Yeah. And we want to keep that going, of course. But we wanted, what we want to do is bring boys up to meet where, where girls are. And so, you know, with the men and ed group, there's one, the most effect, when you look at the numbers, you look at the data, the most effective thing for boys right now is to have a significant role model in their life. It almost doesn't matter. I mean, if it's a male role model, it's a little bit more effective, but not much. But since we have men in our group, I thought, you know what, this is a time where I'm asking all the members of our group to really take a look at the, at the boys around them and, and to see who's struggling and to really serve as that influential, virtuous man of character for those kids. It's a really powerful stuff. I mean, I, I think, you know, without, honestly, without you bringing those numbers forward, I don't know that I would be quite as aware of, of how, the scales are beginning to tip or have already tipped, I guess, um, away from 
uh, from having our boys as involved and as successful as as we want to see them as we want to see them be. And I I appreciate how 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 you've put that 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 it isn't about you know, bringing the girls back down. It's about bringing the well, boys up to that. Let's keep level. doing what we're I mean, doing. For yeah, sure. absolutely. But we got to, now we got to pour that effort. We got to pour that, um, that work into, into lifting up our young men without, without question. Um, so the men and ed, um, men and education Facebook group, um, anybody can join. How, how does that work? Yeah, man, just go to facebook.com slash men and ed and click the join group and get on there, get active. And one of the things we have some things coming up and um, we're going to do some folks, you know, I always ask people, whatever your thing is, man, let's do some, let's do a webinar for the men and ed. We have book studies, we have videos, we have all kinds of cool stuff that is, um, is just great. Um, You know, uh, you know, when, when you, when you look at why men leave, um, the profession is, is just the same reason kids leave school. They don't feel connected. They, they, you know, and that's why, you know, they, they feel alone, you know, they don't have, they don't feel like they're a part of a a close knit team. And so this Facebook group gives them an opportunity to do just that. Love it. Absolutely. Love it. Hal, thank you for everything today. Now that takes us to the final question. The final question I ask everybody here on the podcast, and that is, title of the show is leaning into leadership. So outside of everything you've already talked about, how, what's something you're doing right now to lean into leadership? You know, here's where I'm at is, um, specifically with uh, what what I see is, is this growing crisis that we have boys in terms of leaning into leadership is for me, taking the bull by the horns and talking to our school leaders and just bringing it to their attention. I know this is um, it's a tricky topic to talk about, but if they don't know that it's happening, you know, just like, like even with the men and Ed, when, when, yeah. when I bring this topic up, you know, people are like, what? And then they start thinking, you know what? I think he's right. And they go look at the numbers and oh my gosh, he ain't lying. You know, and so I, I think right now is um, with educators who are influential and compassionate and and full of empathy, if they just know what's happening with our boys, I think that alone is going to fix a lot of the problem. So my right now in terms of leadership is 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 awareness. I think that's the first step to getting anything done. Awesome stuff, man, without question. So uh, my listeners want to get in touch with you. How do they find you? How do they connect with you? How do they reach out and say, hey, Hal, I want to help out? Yeah, man, it's halbowman.com, H-A-L-B-O-W-M-A-N, at Hal Bowman on social media. I'm going to try to get back in there so people don't cuss at me anymore. <laughs> you know, usually when you're on social media, you get cussed out. Now, since I haven't been on, I got cussed at. So we're gonna, I'm going to see if I can oh, so you can't, and so get back way, in there. So might as well get involved. Yeah. Right, and then Hal at halbowman.com is the email address. Absolutely outstanding, man. I will have all of that stuff linked in the show notes for everybody to check out and get in touch with you. Hal, thank you so much, my friend, for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. This was an awesome conversation. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for the work that you've been doing. Man, how good was that conversation? I'm telling you what, the the things, there's so many things, honestly, that jump out, but I want to go right at one thing, and, and that was Hal talked about the schools that are truly thriving, the ones that are really making an impact and that there's two things that they seem to have in common, all of them. And that is number one, even though everybody has a different role, they all share the same common vision, same common purpose to change kids' lives. And that those schools have incredible clarity. And it's not just clarity from the leader, it's clarity as the whole group, as he talked about it, like the custodian, the secretary, the principals, the teachers, everybody knows, everybody knows and is clear about what that school is all about. Clarity is huge. I loved, 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 loved that particular portion. So again, thank you, Hal, for being on the podcast. And now it's time for a pep talk. So the new edition of my book, Road to Awesome, releases on the Monday after this podcast drops. So depending on when you're listening to it, it might already be out. It's actually already available on my website as a pre-order, but but that's not the point. In the book, 
I talk about the three core principles of traveling the road to awesome, which are number one, focus on the things you can control and let go of what you can't. Number two, that we rise by lifting others. And number three, that we have the opportunity to change the world one conversation at a time. Well, my friend Chris Hoover shared a really great meme earlier this week on social media. And I just I just wanted to touch on it really quick because it really struck a chord with me. And in essence, it's, it's an image, but it's the words that are on the image that matter. And the image states, the less you respond to negative people, the more peaceful your life becomes. I'm going to say that again. The less you respond to negative people, the more peaceful your life becomes. Imagine a world where we did not respond to those negative people, whether it's on social media, email, phone calls. But primarily, I think it's the social media issue that we all face, right? I mean, we all have those one or two people who just can't seem to find anything good with their own lives. So they have to tear other people down or they just post negative things. I have started to just completely weed myself of those people on social media. I've blocked them. I've unfriended them. I've muted them. I mean, whatever. I've moved away from that. And when they try to pull me back in, folks, I just don't respond. I just ignore it. I have no interest in being part of somebody else's drama. And this week, I want to challenge you to do the same thing. Let's all focus on the positives. Let's all focus on trying to be a positive influence on others. Let's reach a hand down and lift others up when they're down rather than pushing when they're down. Let's be that positive influence. As Hal Bowman says, let's be the one. Every one of you have that in you. Every one of you have the opportunity to make a positive difference in the life of someone else. It's all about how we choose to show up. Have an absolutely awesome week. And thank you for joining me here on Leaning Into Leadership. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.